Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, May 10th, 2021. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adelia Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma Fucking Gettys. Feeling good about this, Bless. Haven't talked about video games in a while. Yeah, dude. I, I feel the same. Today. I, think I haven't looked at the full... run of the show at all. So I don't even I don't even know what's coming today. I'm excited oh. for that. Oh, well, we got a pretty good show. I'm not gonna I'm not oh, gonna yeah. over I'm not gonna overstate it. All right. Okay. It's not one of That's the fun. best news days, but it's mm. also not a bad news day. It's, it's pretty much in the middle. All right. Cool. We're getting middle news. And mm, for me, it's been like a week. It's been a week since I've been on KFGD, and so I'm right there with you. This is like the longest oh. I've gone in a while without being on KFGD, and so I'm oh shit, I'm well, welcome back. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk about video game news, Tim. Mm-hmm. News like talk about it. PS5 supply being constrained until next year. The coalition going all in on next gen and more because this is kind of funny games daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live and correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you it's monday which means we got a drop of new content that is now live over the weekend we got an episode of x cast that went up featuring sean capri that's right sean like connery capri like the pants of the xbox drive so go check that out <laughs> that's his thing i didn't make that up that's his thing uh that's we love sean, awesome. sean capri what, a, what a great intro it is an amazing intro. Go check out that episode. Uh, and then episode two of the Star Wars, the Bad Batch reactions also went up over the weekend. That's Tim. That's Barrett. That's Roger Bacorny's giving all them good takes about Star Wars, the Bad Batch. Go then check that morning- out. It's also available as a podcast. If you search for kind of funny reactions on podcast services, it's a new feed. Go check it out. Go support it. Hell yeah. How are you liking Bad Batch? Liking it a lot. Yeah, episode yeah. one, highly, highly worth watching for everybody, I think, because it's kind of a mini movie. It's an hour and 10 minutes plus. Oh, shit. A really, really fun, cool Star Wars story. I'm not going to spoil mm-hmm. when it takes place because it's a cool, interesting time. think you're going to like it. Is it? Anyways. Does it not take place in, like, the Clone Wars like that? I know that's, like, another post-Clone animated Star Wars. Wars show. It's post-Clone Wars? That. Okay. Yeah. But do they connect in any sort of specific way, or is it just the fact that they're Star Wars? Yes, they connect, but you, they, they do a really good job, especially in the first episode of just understanding that people might have never seen the animated things before and it being totally understandable it's good stuff gotcha gotcha uh then this morning a new highlight video of andy and i's resident evil 7 playthrough went live that's edited by the one the only roger bercorny let me tell you we finished resident evil 7 during the 12 hour subathon stream and i know that stream went on actually way beyond 12 hours didn't it Kevin? (laughs) yeah 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 we made it to three in the morning that's what i heard and you guys are Are mad people are you okay Oh, yeah, I'm feeling great. I got so many tweets <laughs> the next what morning happened? of people. Bless being- got wasted for no reason <laughs> at all. And almost with no provocation, bless chugged the glass what? of whiskey. No. No, there was pro- Okay, one, there was uh, provocation. I said all right. almost somebody, almost somebody who none. I'm pretty sure was Kevin, who I'm pretty sure was Kevin, was like, no one can remember. Bless, we you don't drunk. seem drunk enough. And so I was like, bet drank the whole glass but also there was reason all right we're coming after uh greg and tim's emily is away stream and i wanted to make sure that we were keeping the same energy and so i drank a glass of whiskey and then i drank <gasps> another glass and oh, then i drank a third no. glass all it's right the third, oh it's the third one God. that he chugged it's the third one that it, he chugged it was the third one that i chugged and it was the third one that had listen if you're gonna play resident <laughs> evil 7 
<laughs> and you're good if you're gonna if you're gonna get to the most confusing maze like area of resident evil 7 i don't recommend chugging a third glass <laughs> of whiskey because you'll get fucking lost tim tim two, i was i didn't know where to go two amazing moments came out of it one there was a moment where bless was lost in a ship and legitimately was like guys guys i need help i don't know where to go like <laughs> like legitimately was like guys like i'm scared and i'm lost like help me <laughs> and two he was like there was just a moment must have been 20 minutes after he drank the full glass where he was like man it's crazy i feel like i should be sobering up right now and it's just not happening and it's just like no that's no. not how it works <laughs> Well, here's the thing, all right? I was drunk, and so my phrasing was off. What I meant to express was that I was somehow 20 minutes after drinking that glass, I was still sinking more into drunkenness. <laughs> like, it hadn't, like, leveled that's, out at all. That's how I was it getting works worse when you and chug worse. a glass of whiskey. Yeah, well, but like, I can't wait to talk to you on Gamescast about your thoughts on Resident Evil 7. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's the thing. I'll give, I'll, I'll give very clear thoughts on the first six to seven hours. After that, uh-huh. I'm sure it's going to be a bit hazy in terms of what my feelings in Resident Evil 7 are. <laughs> wow. But I can Sounds say like overall... Your that game's going to be better. That's good. Overall, I enjoyed it, though. Overall, Resident Evil 7, I did really enjoy I think that game has some fantastic moments. And so I'm sure I'll talk about that on one of the upcoming podcasts. Stay tuned for those. But uh, talking about things that went live, of course, that edited edited version of our resident evil 7 playthrough part two went up uh, and then what also went up this morning was the kind of funny podcast an episode titled what animals came to ride mm-hmm. is that exactly what it sounds like or is that is that That's the conversation what we talk about mm-hmm. all right go check that out <laughs> live right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny and then all the games content of course is live right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny games then tuesday Bless. that's tomorrow at 11 uh what's up what's up kevin would it surprise you to know there's a lot of videos of people riding ostriches in that podcast? Because oh, now I gotta listen. Now I gotta <laughs> yeah, listen. You got you it. Got you got it. Do. <laughs> do people ride ostriches? Ah, I'm not even gonna ask. Oh, we all listen to the podcast <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitch.tv/slash Kind of Funny Games. We're partnering with Razer to show off the RTX 30 series powered blade laptops with Andy and the boys playing some Warzone. So get hyped for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Blackjack and Tom Bach. Today we're brought to you by DoorDash and Burrow, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. Uh-oh. I think Kevin, did Kevin, Kevin break got, the sound barrier? He got sucked into the fucking void, man. It was like the, the creepy Thanos guy in uh, Infinity War when he got sucked out and frozen. <laughs> there it is. Okay, uh, there we go. Tim, you mentioned that you had you hadn't looked ahead in the Roper Report. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, right? This Roper Report, I'm just going to title. I usually don't do this. Right? I'm going to title this Roper Report as "Next Gen is a Slow Burn." All right, for the Next whole Gen all the stories. Okay, is a slow so burn. Not all the stories. Really, it's the first couple of stories. It's the first got two it. stories. There's some filler really. in between. Okay. Yeah, there's some there's some filler in between, but mm-hmm. next gen is a slow burn. Let's start that conversation off with story number one. PlayStation Five supply is going to be in t- is going to be tight even until next year. Uh, this is from Takashi Mochizuki at Bloomberg. Sony warned a group of analysts that the PlayStation Five will remain in short supply through 2022 suggesting that the company will be constrained in its ability to boost sales targets for its latest games console. While reporting financial results in late April, the Japanese conglomerate said it had sold 7.8 million units of the console through March 31st, 
and it is aiming to sell at least 14.8 million units in its current fiscal year. That will keep it on pace to match the trajectory of the popular PlayStation 4, which is sold in excess of 115.9 million units to date. In a briefing after those results, Sony told analysts it is challenging to keep up with strong demand. The PS5 has been difficult to find in stock since its release in November, in part because of shortages in, co in components such as semiconductors, and the company hasn't given an official, official estimate for when it expects supply to normalize. Quote, I don't think demand is calming down this year, and even if we secure a lot more devices and produce many more units of the PlayStation 5 next year, our supply wouldn't be able to catch up with demand, Chief Financial Officer Hiroki Totoki said at the briefing, according to several people who attended and asked not to be named as it wasn't public. Tim, we've talked about the PS5 shortages and next-gen console technology shortages in general due, due to one demand and two semiconductor shortages. For you, what does... PS5 shortages, even until 2022, do for you in terms of what the PS5 is going to do, what we can expect from software, what the conversation around is going to be, all that jazz. There's a lot there, right? And I think that yeah. that's kind of the key thing of what does this actually mean for, for software and all that stuff. Like, there's there's one thing that we need to look at here, which is there are 7.8 million PS5s in the wild. So it's not like there's zero out there. That's a big number, and that is a number of hungry people that can lead to higher attach rates for exclusive titles coming out. And I expect things like Ratchet are going to do extremely well, uh, even though not everybody that has a PS5 wants one, right? Having said that, there is... Uh, a series of games, an idea of, uh, of the types of titles that you don't want to put out unless you're going to maximize the base there, right? And I imagine that that is at least part of why we haven't heard much about whatever Last of Us Factions turns into be, right? Like mm -hmm. the reason we haven't seen a Last of Us 2 uh, PS5 kind of upgrade yet. And maybe I'm totally wrong, and maybe they'll just, in the next couple of weeks, out of nowhere, just be like, oh, cool, it's patched. But I expect that there is something bigger there and that they want to actually have a much larger install base for. And that's going to be a very, very long time until they're hitting the numbers where they could be. But that's the thing. We're still on pace with the PS4. And the PS4 was selling really well when it first came out as well. So this isn't all bad news, but. Of course, just given where we're at right now, it's unfortunate news at the very least because everything is going to be slower. This, this, the what you're talking about. What would you label it? The next gen is a slow burn. It's like we're yep. in that slow burn, and I think that it's going to feel very slow while we're in it. But when we're out on the other end, it's going to be we're going to be able to look back and be like, okay, well, there are now more millions of PlayStation fives in the the wild than there were PS fours in the wild at the time that that came out. On top of that, Sony has its exclusive games on lock at this point, and we're, we're starting to get them all rolling out and whatever. Will that be 2022 or beyond? That's really the question I have, and I think it's going to be beyond because while 7.8 million is a large number, it is not what they are looking for. And 14.8 even is what they're aiming for by the end of the, the year. Fantastic number. However, they've had uh, PlayStation games on PS4 sell more, like exclusives sell more than 20 million units. So they, they want that, obviously. Yeah, I think the next gen, this, this next gen, or this new gen, I should say, being a slow burn thing, it feels like a slow burn, and I think it is, it is going to be a slow burn. Um, but when you look at it and compare it to PS4 around this same time, 
it actually is very impressive, right? Like, not only is the, are the sales of PS5 outpacing the PS4, like, slightly outpacing, let's say, like, comp- comparable at the very least, right? Let's say the software is there to back it up, right? Like, we didn't have a Returnal by this time mm-hmm. last gen. We're about to get Ratchet and Clank uh, uh, Rift Apart. We didn't have that by this time next gen. Horizon uh, Forbidden West and God of War slated for 2021, technically. We'll see if they actually come out. But even by, let's say, year two of next gen, last gen we didn't really have this level of software and uh, a number of units out there in the wild. And the reason why right now it feels like, like it's a, a, a dire ish situation in terms of supply is because demand is just off the chain, which is wild to see. Um, but yeah, it can, this, this slow burn continuing into next, next, uh, next year, I think it's going to speak to the fact of something that you touched on in the beginning. There is the fact that I think we might see more cross-gen titles than maybe we expected by this time like i wonder if this does mean that by the time we do get god of war ragnarok that probably will be cross-gen even though it, it'll probably come out sometime let's say next year right like what is going to be the last cross-gen ps5 or playstation exclusive game that might that might come around let's say later 2022 maybe even 2023 depending on how many units can actually realistically get out there compared to uh current gen units so how does that translate to even third party titles right like how many more resident evil villages are we going to see that come out on both current gen and next or come out on less on last gen and current gen yeah you know it's interesting but i wonder if that's the the truth i wonder if that's really what we're going to see happen because ratchet and clank's about to come out right ps5 Mm -hmm. only like, that is a major release. That means that on the PS5 side from the exclusives, we got Returnal, we got um, Demon Souls, and now yep. Ratchet and Clank, right, as just pure next-gen PS5 exclusives. And I see that trend kind of continuing. I think that they, that PlayStation knows that they have the value with the PS5 for the millions of people that do have them. Uh, and I see the chat bringing up scalpers a lot. I'm sure scalpers take up sure. a chunk of that, but it is not that big of a of, of that pie chart i guarantee it like the the scalpers the point of the scalpers is to then sell it to other people so people might be paying ridiculously more for this thing but it, these at the end of the day the majority of these are getting to the hands of gamers at some point uh but with that i think that we're going to see a next gen shift because playstation kind of has to do that to be able to keep the market share of what makes the PS5 special over the Xbox and uh, its competitors, which at this point is exclusive next-gen experiences with things like the haptic feedback and the dual sense and et cetera, et cetera, which was why we're seeing that so much in the games that we're talking about, right? Uh, but what that means for third-party people, I don't really know, but I don't think that in 2022, we're still going to be seeing a lot of PS4, PS5 um, cross-gen titles like i, I think, think so. that this i think this is our final year of seeing those and that are you now now are you counting like horizon forbidden west and even god of war in that in that conversation as this yeah yeah because okay, this year slated gotcha. for this year because i mean as of now they're saying it's this year and if that changes mm-hmm. then the conversation changes but for sure i i just think that like especially in third party land like when we're talking about like the assassin creeds and whatever resident evil's doing and all that stuff like i think that we're seeing the the end of that all kind of shake out now mm-hmm. yeah i'm curious to see how, i'm curious to see how this goes like the the fact that ps5 continues to be this successful it isn't a surprise but also like it's still it's it's still nice to see because it's never i think we've talked about this before right like like, like there was a question a, a week ago that I was talking about like 
are these numbers surprising? Are, are these are is is it worth it to to put out these numbers or brag about these numbers or feel like there's something to be happy about with these numbers? And yeah, it's nice to see because it's never a given that consoles are going to continue to kill it in this way. Um, and looks like the PS5 continues to kill it. But Tim, that's not the end of the story when it comes to next gen being a slow burn. So let's move over to story number two, uh, where we can talk about the Gears developer, the Coalition, moving to next gen development in Unreal Engine 5. This comes from a press release on their website. Uh, they write this, At the Coalition, we pride ourselves on delivering the best possible Gears of War games and the best possible game performance using cutting-edge tools like Unreal Engine. We wanted to update our fans on both of those things. Thank you to all the fans out there who have been on this journey with us. During a worldwide pandemic and working from home, the team has launched a first strategy title, Gears Tactics, relaunched Gears 5, and Tactics on Xbox Series X S hardware with performance upgrades and features, revamped Gears 5 multiplayer with a ton of content and updates, and capped the year with the first mainline campaign expansion, Gears 5 High Busters in almost a decade. As we look forward to future games, we're excited to start shifting our resources to next-gen development using Unreal Engine 5. Gears of War has always been at the front of Unreal Engine development as a breakout 720p title for Xbox 360 through last year's 120fps multiplayer update for Xbox Series X slash S. And we're excited to continue that, that tradition by developing on Unreal Engine 5 for multiple new projects in the coming years. What does this mean for our current titles? Gears 5 has content on the way and will we'll continue to release new operations through operations 7 and 8. Each operation will have two drops, including new characters, new maps, and special events. Through the end of the year, we'll have store updates with exciting new content, as well as featured playlists. Shifting to a new engine is a big undertaking, so we want to be clear that we'll not be announcing any new projects or titles for some time. Tim, you're a Gears fan. Uh, you like the Coalition. What does this do for you? Are you excited that they're moving uh, full steam ahead into Unreal Engine 5? This is absolutely huge, man. Like, I don't know how much you remember or cared about the original Gears release on 360, but it was such a mm -hmm. visual showpiece title. And so much of that had to do with Unreal Engine and the game's use of it, unique use of it, of really kind of pushing things forward. Like, that was one of the, it's funny we're having this conversation now, just many generations later. Like, that really was a, oh shit, this is what next gen looks like moment. Uh, for what the 360 generation was, the HD generation. Um, and so when we saw that that first Unreal Engine 5 demo last year um, as part of the, the Summer Game Fest, um, it was crazy, right? Like, it was just like, oh my God, this is this is what next gen can be? Holy shit, I can't believe it. And then we pretty much quickly, I remember it was me, you, Andy, and Greg, we're all like, okay, but how many games are actually going to put in the effort and work to make the grains of sand look this damn good and to actually make a playable experience out of what this is? The answer is the Coalition. Like, Gears 5 is one of the most visually stunning games I have ever seen. And on top of that, they just keep making it look better because that's how the Xbox ecosystem works now, where old games, even ga old games being two years old games, now look like modern games plus because of all of the, the abilities that the Series S and X have. Um, but what this means for the next title in the Gears franchise or whatever it is that uh, Coalition is, is working on... I'm excited, you know, it, it's every time, and I, I know the video games don't work this way, but it's just a fact that when I see that games, current games are announced in Unreal Engine 4, 
something in the back of my mind is like, oh man, but there's five. Like it would be so cool if this would just be five. I'm happy that we're starting to see that. And like, this is the type of thing that we're not going to see for a couple of years, but eventually it will be the standard. And I'm, I'm really stoked that coalition are right at the forefront of making it that standard. Yeah, you got to assume that the next project they're working on is Gears or one of the one of the uh, projects they're working on is Gears, right? Like in their in their write up here, they mentioned Gears of War has always been at the fr at the front of Unreal Engine development. And that's a thing that I don't think they want to break, right? Like especially especially for games, uh, a game franchise that they have down, they know how to make Gears. And the last few Gear Gears games, it seems like people have really liked them. And so there's no reason to stop stop now, right? And if you can use a franchise that you're already familiar with you've already mastered as the coalition and you can continue to use in order to get familiar with unreal engine 5 before or while you're working on maybe a new title i think that'll be big for them right and they mentioned here multiple new projects in the coming years which druvenator writes in uh to ask about druvenator wrote into patreon.com just uh just like you can patreon.com says kind of funny games and says good morning testing and bloom the coalition and that's what he says i didn't mess that up the coalition announced today that they are shifting to unreal engine 5 and also said we're excited to continue that tradition by developing on unreal engine 5 for multiple new projects in the coming years multiple multiple projects i loved gears 5 thought it was a refreshing iteration of the gears universe and can't wait for gears 6. with that said simple question if the coalition is becoming a two studio team or a two team studio, what other game slash genre slash IP would you like them to work on? Before you say Star Wars, Jeffy Grub Grub revealed that the coalition isn't working on that IP, I believe. Uh, for me, I want fear back. Thank you all. <laughs> Druvenator. Tim, what else could the coalition be working on? I mean, I would like to see them if it wasn't Gears and if it was something I'm just choosing. The problem with this whole like, what would you want them to be working on thing is we always start with the familiar because we can't just make something up like that's their job you get what i'm saying yeah. i feel like my answer would be something marvel or something star wars like I, I would love to see the talent that we've seen gears like gears five but with a marvel skin sounds awesome to me with a star wars skin sounds awesome to me and obviously more than a skin with all the loving care that goes into making those games yeah i think i want to shout out is microsoft first party like building this war chest of studios that you often forget that yeah you can have a studio that is working on multiple projects you look at ninja theory and they got a bunch of stuff going on there and the, for the coalition to be working on uh multiple projects at once again like i think it speaks to the future of microsoft xbox looking very bright for first party but yeah in terms of what they could be working on a thing that i always want when it comes to uh publishers which publish publishers with a uh, uh a, a cast of studios like this uh or at the very least first party publishers is to fill in the the gaps where they where they could be you know we talk about uh certain studios specializing in certain things we go, you look at playstation first party and a lot of people talk about how they've got third the third person narrative action game down we look at xbox and right now it seems like xbox is really trying to corner the market on having strong western rpgs right and we and i think there's also you can also point out the fact that they have a strong first person shooter catalog too especially when you lump in the bethesda studios in there and so for what i want this this uh coalition project to be i want to be i want to be something that that xbox doesn't necessarily have right now right there was that story last year uh or not last year last week talking about the leaked court documents and how they reviewed the last of us part two and they talked about how they want something along uh those lines for the xbox catalog and it could be cool to see coalition tackle that right like what would a 
more narrative focused uh, uh, action game look like for Coalition? I know Gears 5 probably lumps into that, but what if you could double down on narrative over action and really try to hone in on having a quadruple a experience that gets us invested in the characters gets gets us invested in a world i think that could be a good move for them there are so many so many interesting conversations based on what you're talking about right now i love this bless so here's the thing for me gears 5 was close to that right i think a big problem is it's the fifth in a franchise uh with spinoffs remasters all that stuff not included uh but it's the fifth in a franchise it was a fantastic game it had a engaging story fun characters and backed up by AAA production and amazing gameplay, right? Uh, that kind of was their, their AAA version. If they were to go to that quadruple A, and at this point we're just being silly talking about yeah. stuff that doesn't exist I'm, but I'm, does I'm exist. Using we, know they use. we know what we're talking about here, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that would be really interesting, and I would love to see that. Having said that, I don't know where Microsoft is at in terms of how it's treating its studios and how the games are being developed with Game Pass in mind. Because Gears 5 is, to date, the biggest, like, AAA-type game that has been released on Game Pass. Like, as a day-to-date, like, a coming-out first-party title from, from Gears, I would say it's their mm-hmm. biggest game that they've had. And that was a game that, when it was announced, and, and someone could wrong me if I'm wrong, but when it was announced, that predated Game Pass being announced. So, I wouldn't be shocked if Gears 5 coming out as a game pass game day and date wasn't the plan originally so that game was being designed without game pass in mind more just as a standalone 60 dollar title right mm-hmm. what does a gear six look like what does a, the next gears look like because i imagine and what we've seen so far from microsoft in the way that it's treating its titles it might be a little bit more platform based it might be a little bit more like here this is this game that's going to come out on Game Pass, and we want people to keep coming back to it over time, which is the opposite of what you're saying of this AAA Last of Us type sure. thing. I don't think we're ever going to get that from Microsoft. Really? I, I just don't. You don't think I, I, you don't think Perfect Dark could possibly be that? Because Perfect I Dark, think, I don't, I don't think that game is going to come out and be a platform. We're gonna get, we're gonna we're gonna build this this game in a way that's gonna have people c- continuing to come back to it over time. I think that's a game that they're probably gonna be like, okay, this is our our polished one and done. You're gonna get a dope narrative. You're gonna get a, get dope a, a dope campaign, and that's gonna be it. And you're gonna fall in love with this game for what it is as a single player game. It could be. I don't expect it to be. And if it really? is, I don't. I think I don't think it's going to hit that quadruple A level. It'll still be at that triple A level. Which again, that's awesome. Like we we don't get that many AAA games these days. Like AAA on that level, AAA on For the sure. Gears Five level is what I'm saying. Like more of those, that would be awesome. But there just is the fact that the industry is changing and the Xbox ecosystem itself is changing so much that I don't know what this ends up looking like. But I don't think it's the copying the Last of Us model. Mm. I think you bring up a really good point. You bring up an interesting conversation in terms of how do you keep Game Pass alive and thriving and keep people returning to it i think for what xbox first party is i think you have a diverse portfolio of studios right now that you can have that happening on multiple levels i think you can i think they they have a a catalog of studios right now where they can have so many different types of games that keep come that that keep people coming for different purposes right so you have 
you can have something like Everwild or Sea of Thieves be that for you. You can have Halo be that for you, where those are the platform games. Those are the games that are going to keep people coming back uh, because they're, they're, they're live games, right? Like they're coming back for the updates. They're coming back to play with their friends. They're coming back uh, in, the, in the way that I go back and I play Apex all the time, right? Like you can have Everwild. You can have, and this is me assuming that Everwild is going to be similar to Sea of Thieves. You can have Sea of Thieves. You can have Halo be that. You can have Gears multiplayer be that for that platform. But I do think you do have to have games that are the temple. Hey, this is going to make me download Game Pass in a way that maybe Halo might not be that for certain people. You know, I think I think diversity or versatility in your in your catalog might be the name of the game there. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I could I could I could I could see it being a let's let's get every single type of game that we can on Game Pass to get people interested in the platform and ping ponging back and forth between these different types of games. Uh, and in terms of to bring it back to the conversation of what is the non Gears Five game that Coalition could be working on, I I think of it in a way where what is what is something that's going to complement coalition in the way that you look at naughty dog and they have last of us and uncharted and those games have completely different energies but they both complement each other or complement naughty dog's strength right narrative third person action game like naughty dog has that down you look at uh um uh rockstar and they have gta red redemption again very different settings different energies but those games still complement the tool set that rockstar has down i could see the uh the coalition's other game being something that is similar right third person action game mechanically similar to gears because that's what they excel at but what setting can we put it in that is completely different how can we make how, how can we either make like the thing that that they talked about in that in, in that uh document last week right how can we make something that stands up to that type of game that last was ish sort of sort of style of game or how can we make something that just that feels like it's brand new feel like feels like it's fresh for us but also feels like it's fresh for the microsoft catalog what if we did make our own mission impossible style game or uncharted or something that feels either modern or down to earth no pun intended like something that takes place on earth maybe i don't know like i think there's something there in terms of uh, uh, switching up what the coalition does for their new game. Absolutely, I'm really interested in looking at the last couple years of this level of title we're talking about. This triple A, quadruple A, like crazy tier, and the idea that we've seen things like Uncharted: Lost Legacy, right? We've seen things now like Spider-Man: Miles Morales. Hmm. How? common is that going to be going forward and is that going to be more of the microsoft model for this where maybe we don't ever get the one 30 hour last of us two style epic but they are doing smaller versions of it that are going on game pass not quite episodic like more than that like more more meat on the bone than yeah just like, like something that come you can back release, every two months for two hours something that like, you can release on a more regular basis because la the last of us between the last of us and last of us part two that was seven years Mm -hmm. I expect maybe another seven years before we get the last of part three, right? And that that is a game that you expect to be this polished AAA, probably at this point, 20 to 30 hour type experience where mm -hmm. not every game needs to be that, right? Like, what if you do have the coalition work on something that is nine to 10 hours, but does have that symbol, that, that same level of AAA polish that you want out of the coalition? I mean, that's the thing is, you know, there's a big conversation right now about uh, Resident Evil Village, right? And people are... Some people have the opinion that it's like, oh, the game's not worth $60 because it's only 10 hours or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The 10 hours, though, are produced on a level that is just so much higher than so many other things. And that's where the value comes from is this 
the the production value of it all right and it's just like taking that and applying it to uh these other games is really interesting like think about last of us part two the game has two different halves right Mm -hmm. imagine if they had put that out as two different games even in the same year like what if last of us two part one came out in january of a year and then last of us two part two came out in june you can call it something different like i'm at like i know that sounds silly but like imagine they didn't yeah, market you. it that way they marketed it as you know whatever this thing yeah or like what if, I mean, even if it was one year in the next year right like an infinity war end game type experience like you look totally. at Res- resident evil is a great comparison because we've gotten tim how many resident evil games have we gotten in the last three to four es- years essentially annualized right yeah and, th- and that is a triple A, like they're releasing that at full price. And, mm-hmm. you know, like me, me playing through Resident Evil Village, I got to the end of it and I was like, damn, that felt short. But also like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't say that wasn't worth full price, right? Like the closest I got to that was probably Resident Evil 3 remake where I finished that in like a sitting and a half. And I was like, okay, well shit, that was really short. But even still, like those games have a level of polish to them and a level of, all right, I know what I'm getting with this. This feels like a full game. And if this is how they want to do Resident Evil to make it annualized, go for it, right? It's a strategy that seems to work for them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because you're right. Like Resident Evil 3 was very, very short for the price uh, of that content. And that did come also with those multiplayer suites that nobody really gives a shit about and all that stuff. But um, with Game Pass, though, there's this interesting opportunity that we haven't seen explored yet, but I imagine we're going to, where the different, we don't see games as having different modes. We kind of just see the different modes as being downloadable on Game Pass as their own separate games. But how does, like the multiplayer is one thing versus single player is another thing, right? Like that could just be, you can see them as different video games. On the PlayStation side, though, they don't have Game Pass. So they do lean on their, this is a $70 experience. It is going to be longer. It is going to have all this stuff. What's that mean for God of War Ragnarok, though? Because mm-hmm. I, I still wouldn't be surprised if God of War Ragnarok ends up being a Miles Morales last, uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy style game that is smaller, that, is, that does bridge the gap. And at that point, maybe, I don't know if that backs the argument of it being cross-gen or PS5 exclusive. You know, it could be one or the other. But that also could mean that it's more likely for 2021 than we expect. Still not fully likely. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of things up in the air that I'm really interested in. I imagine that that's going to be a realm of video game that's going to be explored a lot more in the coming years because of the pressures of how much quadruple production costs both resource wise and financially and the fact that game pass is the entire strategy of xbox tim i really like this conversation and i'm going to do something that i don't usually do i'm going to take an ad break in the middle of this conversation when we come back i'm going to pull in a question from benjamin barry that i was going to say for later in the show but fits the conversation that we're having and so remember you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors This podcast is brought to you by DoorDash. Do you really want to go out and get food? All right, Kevin, do you want to go out and get food right now or you want somebody to bring you food? Uh, bring me food. Ladies and gentlemen, you ain't no hunter or gatherer. Let somebody else do all the work. Use DoorDash. Did you forget that one thing at the store? Now you can get snacks, drinks, and household essentials in 30 minutes with DoorDash. Dinner? Check. Deodorant? Check. Morning pick-me-up from Dunkin'? Check. Get everything you need whenever you need it with DoorDash. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving froyo? There is something for everyone on DoorDash. How do I know so much about DoorDash? Because I'm Greg Miller, and I use DoorDash all the time. 
time I got the dash pass, so I don't pay for delivery. Sometimes Jen and I go in there, we're like, what do we want for dinner? We don't know what we want for dinner. We don't know what we want for dinner. So we look at the, what's being recommended, we pick from there. It's great and it's different and it comes to us and it's hot and you get to track them as they come and they tell you where it is in the process. DoorDash is great. Now you can get the grocery store essentials you need with DoorDash too. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items delivered in under an hour. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want it, and your items will be left safely outside your door with their contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Australia, and now Canada, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national chain restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. A long time ago, I thought it was Chipotle but it's Chipotle. Did you know that, Kevin? <laughs> for a limited time, for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code GAMES2021. For our Canadian listeners, use the code GAMESCA. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code GAMES2021 in the U.S. US and games CA in Canada. Don't forget games 2021 in the US games CA in Canada for 25% off your first order with DoorDash subject to change terms apply. Our next sponsor, ladies and gentlemen, is Burrow. If you haven't heard us talk about Burrow furniture lately, you haven't listened to Tim Gettys talk about his couch. What does he talk about all the time? It's got a USB charger built in. He loves that. But Burrow's even better than that. Most of us haven't found our forever home, which makes buying furniture a double-edged sword. You're either buying some cheap futon that you'll just leave out on the curb someday, or you're investing in an inexpensive sofa that might last forever, but definitely becomes a pain in the butt when it's time to move. You think someone would have figured out how to create quality furniture built for the way we actually live wherever we live well someone has it's burrow burrow is easy to shop for shop for everything you need for your living room online no far-flung warehouses no high pressure sales people plus burrow's world-class support team is available for you whenever you need them it's easy to assemble and it's easy to move burrow's innovative modular design and super helpful instructions make assembling and disassembling your furniture quick and hassle-free and when it's time to move your burrow furniture won't hold you back uh kevin you've known tim a long time and you always call him a big old dum-dum he had no problem installing this furniture that means it's pretty simple right yep Designed for the way you live, their credenzas are actually tall enough to fit next-gen consoles standing vertically. Their award-winning Nomad sofa has Tim's built-in USB charger for all-day power. Plus, you get fast and free shipping on every order. It saves you an average of $100 on large items like a couch and a logistics headache. Right now, you can get $75 off your first order at burrow.com slash games. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash games for $75 off your burrow purchase. Burrow dot com slash games that was cool we're fancy now huh? that was really cool <laughs> oh man i can get used to that uh tim like i said uh after the break after mm-hmm. the break so we're that's where we're at right now right i'm bringing in this question from benjamin barry who wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games just like you can and people at patreon.com slash kind of funny games don't even know what just happened they're like oh well, wait what was that what was fancy we had fancy Let's- fancy edited ads Roger Fancy edited Killing the game. Shout out to Roger Bricorny. Uh, this is from Benjamin Barry. He writes in and says, Hey, blessing into him. The PS5 and PS4 top selling games for April Info is out. And in the US for PS5, the number one game is MLB The Show. And number two is Outriders. For PS4 in the US, number one is MLB The Show. And number four is Outriders. These two got both the Game Pass money from Microsoft, and they hit the very top of the charts on PlayStation. This has to be a dream, com- this has to be a dream scenario for them. Is this a path to success that you think more third-party games might follow? 
get the Game Pass Day One money and uh, PR bump from being on Game Pass and it's, and it's 23 million plus subscribers, but then also sell full price on PlayStation to take advantage of the much larger install base. Absolutely. And I think that that's kind of the beauty of where we're at as an industry right now, where things are changing and the way games are financed is is rapidly evolving and changing, but the old way still exists. And I think that it's the the, the different developers and publishers that are going to really kind of look at their games and their catalog and find out what is the best distribution strategy for each one. They're the ones that are going to benefit the most because yeah, getting that double dip of the being on game pass money, that's a guarantee plus still getting the, the full price side from the, the PlayStation. I mean, come on, that's best of both worlds. Yeah, I know we talk about the we talk, we talk about Game Pass all the time across all our podcasts. Even PS, I love you. Like we talk about Game Pass all the time. I know people get sick of it, but the fact of the matter is that it's changing the way things function, right? It's changing the mm-hmm. it's changing the industry. It's changing the way that we can even think about release structures for games because this makes a very good point that yeah, like if you can if you can get the Game Pass money and you can also get the traditional release money, you know, off of different platforms, then you are living the the best of both worlds. And to the conversation of how do you bolster Game Pass? How do you like how does how does Microsoft support Game Pass? What does that look like from the from the first party slate? Like it 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 is going to be a combination of that slate of first party games that are that are promised to come out day and date on Game Pass, combining with a slate of third party games that might make surprise releases on Game Pass, like MLB the show and Outriders. And I'm sure that is gonna be the that's gonna be far from the end of it when you look at it, look at it and realize that, oh, this is a very successful way to release games. You know, like yeah. how much more support is be the show getting on Xbox releasing on Game Pass than not? I mean, dude, here's the thing. Resident Evil Village had PlayStation advertising support and marketing on lock, right? What if it mm-hmm. didn't? Would Village be on Game Pass? Probably. Like, think I mean, about maybe. that, right? Like, because like, there, there is this like category of third-party titles that there's, there's like a tier list, right? Like when we talk mm-hmm. about like the first parties, obviously they're they're the big dogs. Then when we have third parties, there are groups like Ubisoft that are kind of big enough to be their own thing where they have a, a shit ton of teams, right? There's the Capcoms, there's the Square Enixes, and then it starts trickling down to there's like other guys that, you know, different teams within that. But if you start latching on, if Game Pass starts latching on to games even bigger than Outriders, mm-hmm. you know, bigger than MLB The Show, because MLB is huge, but that's more through MLB than it is through like Sony San Diego, right? Imagining them latching on to things like Resident Evil or a Final Fantasy title or whatever it is, it's going to be hard to wrestle those uh, marketing rights away from Sony. But if they did, damn. Damn. Tim, speaking mm-hmm. of damn, story number three, Ubisoft will now brand all of its own games as Ubisoft Originals. This is from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. And I believe this conversation started last week when they announced their new, their new division game and called it, it Ubisoft Original. I knew now it. We I got fucking called that shit. This is awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, the story goes like this. Assassin's Creed and Far Cry publisher Ubisoft will now brand all of its games made by internal studios as Ubisoft Originals. The name first cropped up last week when Ubisoft announced Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland, a new free-to-play spinoff due later this year or early next. When asked whether this label meant anything more than fancy new branding, a Ubisoft spokesperson told Eurogamer today that, quote, moving forward, the Ubisoft original mention is attached to all of Ubisoft's games created in-house by our talented developers, end quote. 
Perhaps this is just fancy branding, but currently Ubisoft does not publish any major games from external studios. If Ubisoft was looking to release games from other developers in the future, perhaps some kind of indie publishing program, this label would make sense as a way to differentiate those games uh, from games made by the dozens of internal Ubisoft studios around the world. Uh, and Tim, yeah, you mentioned, you, you did call this. I was listening to the episode. And as you're saying, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And here we go. It's happening. Yeah. Hey, honestly, I'm pretty surprised that it's actually happening, but this is cool. I'm excited by this. Like, it doesn't actually affect much, but it just kind of feels like these things mean more than for like i said a couple or last week ubisoft for years has been something that we talk about as if they are a studios and there have been ubisoft originals we say a ubisoft game we know what that means there's expectations yep. now cool it's a ubisoft original like they are getting to own that branding and kind of not run from it instead embrace it and be like yeah this is what we do uh i'm just very interested in what this ends up looking like uh from a presentation standpoint because you know, the PlayStation Studios thing, having that logo before the games, just like Marvel Studios, just like all this stuff that's like, this is just where the world's at now. There's expectations uh, set. And that means that there's like a, a seal of approval almost on it of what this means to the the, the games ecosystem. And I, I think it's rad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, for me, I, I, I'd like to think that I'm not a sucker for marketing, right? That I'm able to differentiate like marketing capitalism and corporations and all the bullshit that goes into that i will say i am a fan of good branding i love good branding i love shit being handled the right way in order to deliver it to an audience so that it will be palpable or that we understand and get what it is and i think them calling their games ubisoft originals and maybe maybe um factoring that into branding right like seeing that pop up at the beginning of a ubisoft game and us understanding and knowing what that is i think that's a really cool thing it's a really smart thing it creates a family of games in a way that Somebody playing Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege and Assassin's Creed, uh, like I think the average or regular consumer might play those games and not really fact, like put it together that these are from mm -hmm. the same umbrella, from the same publisher. But when you start to add that Ubisoft Originals thing or put a, put a stronger stamp on it, I think that starts to create this family of games that works together in a way that PlayStation, PlayStation Studios has started to, or you look at something, and I know Marvel's the easy comparison because Marvel's kind of like the, the, like the godfathers of the shit at this point, but you look at the MCU and you look at the, at the uh, Marvel movies and you're like, that is a family of movies that all work together. We don't expect mm -hmm. Ubisoft Originals to necessarily have a shared universe or anything along those lines, but from a marketing branding perspective, there is something there in terms of creating something for your fan base to get behind when it comes to releasing all these games and having something to connect them together in that way, uh, which I think is really smart. And I want, uh, one thing I also want to shout out with this is this might, the, the article mentions, right, that like that Ubisoft hasn't published games from external developers. They don't do like, they, they don't do what PlayStation, PlayStation Studios does, which is, hey, we're going to partner with Housemark in order to make Returnal for our platforms and call that a PlayStation uh, uh, original mm -hmm. or uh, say that's from PlayStation, PlayStation Productions. Maybe this opens up the door for that, right? If Ubisoft did have an IP, let's say Splinter Cell, for example. If Ubisoft's like, hey, we want to make a new Splinter Cell, but we just don't have the bandwidth within our, our studios to do it. What if we partnered with an external studio to do that? You can still call it a, a Ubisoft original thing, right? Meanwhile, it's being developed by an external publisher. Uh, you can have those situations pan out too under this umbrella. And so I think this is a, uh, a pretty cool thing. I'm into it. It's really cool. And, you know, I think that even looking at Microsoft's side, right, Microsoft Game Studios has been slowly building in the background, and we haven't really seen the fruits of that yet. But hopefully, 
in a year or two, it will be similar to PlayStation Studios and, and MCU and all the stuff that we're talking about now where there's going to be a couple major tentpoles that we have understandings of what a PlayStation Studios game is, what a Ubisoft Originals game is, what a Microsoft Game Studios game is. And that means more than just, oh, it's just a video game on this console. It's like there is some type of co cohesive tissue uh, between all of them. I think that's pretty damn rad. Tim, we talked about Capcom earlier in this episode. Let's talk about let's talk about Capcom some more. With story number four, Capcom continues to keep killing it in sales. This is James Bachelor at GamesIndustry.biz. Capcom has released its full year financial results and reports it reached a new high in terms of profit for the fourth year in a row. For the 12 months ended March 31st, 2021, the Resident Evil publisher saw net sales of $859.6 million, a year-on-year -year increase of 16.8%. Meanwhile, operating income came in at $318.1 million, up 51.6%, and marking an eighth consecutive year of growth, while, or while ordinary income was up 51.8% to $319.9 million. This was despite the impact of the pandemic uh, or the impact that the pandemic had on other segments, such as arcade operations and other businesses, which handles everything from esports to ventures like the Monster Hunter movie. Despite launching less than a week before the end of the, the financial year, Monster Hunter Rise was the biggest seller, with 4 million units shipped worldwide. Ten days after launch, Capcom announced this, is ri this had ridden, risen uh, to 5 million. The remake of Resident Evil 3, released at the very beginning of the financial year, also sold well, with 3.9 million units shipped. Capcom also highlighted ongoing sales of titles from previous years, including, including Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, and the Resident Evil 2 remake. The publisher is banking on long-tail sales to continue driving growth with plans to further market all the previous all these previous releases in the year ahead, alongside new releases such as the recently released resident evil village they keep they keep on killing it tim yeah man again this is one of those things when you're in this industry long enough like you start to see like things just change like the the ways the water is moving going a different way all of a sudden capcom for years horrible horrible yep. putting out trash titles not putting out the games people wanted it was just like oh capcom's dead and then all of a sudden the last couple of years they've just turned it around man and between monster hunter and resident evil they have a really 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 good head on their shoulders where it's like we expect quality from them it's not like we like hope things are good we expect them to be good it's a great place to be and i think that when we look at their their library obviously there's so many games that they can bring back from the past that they haven't yet we don't have a dino crisis yet i imagine we're going to get that one day we're going to and that's going to be very freaking exciting hopefully we get an Adi musha i think that's a little less likely but i'd be very excited about it uh, but they're going to continue to do this path like they have with resident evil they've created this amazing thing with the re engine where games are just fucking beautiful using it whether it's devil may cry 5 or resident evil uh remake behind the shoulder type stuff or resident evil 7 in village first person shooter the engine just works and it's awesome and I played Red, uh, Village on my PS5, and it was fucking breathtaking. I played Resident Evil uh, 2 and 3 on my PS4, and it was breathtaking. They got something here, right? And that engine even goes all the way to Monster Hunter Rise on the Switch. It just it works across places. This is good. It's allowing these people to just make dope-ass games. And I hope that they continue to make those games. And with these types of dollars, I imagine they're going to. Mm -hmm. Tim, I want you to put, put on your speculative cap. All mm -hmm. right, we just got Resident Evil Village, which is their first big release of this next fiscal year. What else do you think Capcom might have slated? Because right now they don't have much 
that's announced. Like we know RE verse is coming, and then uh, we got Monster Hunter story t- stories too. Uh, the Great Ace Attorney's Attorney Chronicles, and I believe that's about oh the Resident Evil Four Oculus game <laughs> that they mm-hmm. announced. You know we got that upcoming, but it doesn't seem like we have much that is huge on the horizon from Capcom, unless I'm missing you know, anything. Kind of funny.com slash you're wrong. No, I think that's just kind of where we're at right now with this next gen kind of crossover, right? Like when you look at Capcom and their Resident Evil games, we don't talk about it enough. Like when we we talk about the the not the Beyonce drop, but kind of the video mm-hmm. game version of Fallout 4 was announced at E3 and came out in November, right? Resident Evil is on a completely different level with that, where for the last couple of years, they've just announced a game and then that game's come out very fucking soon. I'll never forget that Resident Evil 2 was yep. a, I mean, it was announced a long time ago, but in a we make this way, not in a it's fucking real. It being it's fucking real announced at that uh, E3, E3 at Sony's conference. I played that game that day at E3. That was or the next day. That's crazy. Like it seemed like a, oh they're announcing it, but it's gonna come out one. No, it's it's yeah. it's ready. That, it's that felt like a Kingdom Hearts three announcement, but that game actually came out the next year. <laughs> totally, and it came out when you say next year, you're talking about six months. Because yep. it was from June to January. Like, that is crazy. And then RE3 uh, was an even tighter turnaround in terms of announcement and uh, release. Granted, Imran on our shows has kind of hinted before that those projects were originally tied together, going to be more of like a two and three type situation. So that makes a little more sense. Um, but it's just exciting to think that like they announced Resident Evil 7 in a very similar way. Like it's announced at E3 and it comes out that next January. Village is now the Resident Evil game that we've known about from announcement to release that took the longest. And that pushes us into May. That's what I think we're in the most interesting place is the last couple of major RE games were announced at either E3 or at uh, PlayStation's state of play, like an end of the year game awards time period type thing. So I think that it because Village is so late in the year compared to the January uh, releases they've had the last couple times, I imagine that it's going to be a little longer until we hear about Resident Evil 4 Remake. Really? Okay, that was going to be my next question is, <laughs> do you think Resident Evil 4 Remake could come out? Let's say not this fiscal year, because what this fiscal year will go up to March 2022, and I don't know if that's going to be in the slate, but do you think it'll be a 2022 game? My gut kind of says that. You know, I think that, again, the next-gen issues going on right now, of the supply, I think, might change that because I imagine that it's going to be a next-gen title. I don't think it'll be cross-gen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am interested in the RE4 remake in the proximity of Village based on just the look of it. Like, I am a little surprised that they went the route they did with Village knowing that 4 has such a similar aesthetic uh, unless it was making assets to <laughs> double. Yeah, I was dip. gonna say like it could be a thing of hey, let's get the let's start to uh, uh, conceptualize what if an RE4 remake would look like and have these things work similarly, and that might even work. That might even work to their benefit on a marketing and advertising perspective, right? Like, hey, we let's let, let's release Resident Evil Village, get people hyped about Resident Evil Four because this game kind of harkens back to Resident Evil Four, and then once people are hyped, cool, let's release Resident Evil Four Remake to get people uh, uh, or to capitalize off of that hype. Even though theoretically, I would think that you would do it the opposite way around and do RE Four Remake before Village, so you can build totally. hype for Village, but maybe that is still. Now- 
the strategy. Here's the thing, though, Bless. Like the, a lot of the things that we talked about, like the slow burn of next gen in this episode. Mm-hmm. Going back to what I was talking about about Imagine Last of Us Two, if they had released it in in two different parts, this is a different situation. But Capcom kind of has been doing what I'm talking about the last couple of years, which is putting out these smaller experiences like Resident Evil Two and Three specifically, right? And I, I would argue that, like, sure, that Resident Evil Village is shorter than other games. I think it's ten hours are of a much higher quality than anything comparable around it uh so it's like at that Mm -hmm. point a 30-hour game isn't a better game than it just because it's longer that's just not how games work Mm -hmm. uh but i think that them kind of building up this thing granted last year when we played re3 all of us were kind of like oh man this is really short and seems like a weird thing with two being so close to it but if we just get used to that and expect that i don't think we're going to be let down because re3 fantastic video game it just didn't last that long Mm -hmm. right yeah. And it's like looking at um, imagining if they continue to just do this where we we expect RE to, to continuously put out different things, whether they're remakes or new titles. And we grow to have this expectation that it's going to be sub 10 hours. But that's mm-hmm. what it is. I think that's an interesting thing that we're going to see a lot more of. Yeah. And with, with, the, with the Capcom conversation, it's worth, it's worth shouting out like Street Fighter, of course. I'm sure they have Street Fighter 6 on the horizon somewhere, whether that's this fiscal year. I don't see it, but we'll see. There's also Pragmata, which I believe was slated for 2023. I forget if that was a leak thing or an official thing, but that's not coming out in this fiscal year. And they have games here or there that uh, could fit in. But very curious to see if they have anything. Again, like quarantine affects things, affects development, it affects plans. And so maybe they won't have anything big for the next fiscal year after RE Village. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. Tim, we got Mm -hmm. one more news story for the Roper Report. Story number five. Would it surprise you to know that we got more court leaks from that Epic versus Apple case? Not at all. Tim, Epic Games offered $200 million to Sony for up to six PC PlayStation ports. This is Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Epic Games offered a $200 million minimum guarantee to Sony for four to six PC PlayStation ports. That's according to a confidential PDF document included in the ongoing Epic Apple trial, which was, which was reportedly briefly uploaded to the case's public server. According to the document, Epic Games was at one point targeting all three console platform holders for potential content deals for its PC game store. The document states that Nintendo talks were essentially a non-starter, while opening, com- opening discussions with Microsoft were complicated by the fact that it was essentially a competitor for content deals and that its PC Game Pass leader was against Epic's strategy. On PlayStation, the doc states that Epic was awaiting feedback on its $200 million minimum guarantee offer for four to six games, which would see Epic take the hit should those titles generate less revenue than that figure. Since Sony's first PC port, Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, debuted on Steam, and its next next days gone, <clears throat> and its next days gone is also coming to Valve's platform. It's possible that the company did not take up Epic's offer, and that's I would say that's probably confirmed <laughs> that they didn't take ep- up Epic's offer. Um, but yeah, this is another one that I, I think is just fascinating to to look at and read through. All these court leakings have been very fascinating to look through because it's all been good insight to how the industry works and also a lot of good confirmation in the way that the industry works, especially uh, exactly how we expected it to work in terms of how these <laughs> deals and exclusivity and all that stuff plays out. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting bringing Nintendo into this where it's like, they're essentially a non-starter and it's like, of course, Nintendo go Nintendo. They're, they're their own thing, marching to the beat of their own drum. They're not doing this stuff. I wonder if that's ever going to change. 
you know that, that mario releases on pc that's that's my thing man like it would have been crazy a couple of years Never. ago to imagine that the playstation titles would be on pc and i know that that is a easier chasm to jump over uh mm-hmm. than nintendo but i just wonder if you know there are going to be enough changes in the industry enough things shaken up where just the way games are thought about consumed paid for changes so much that nintendo needs to adapt in a different way Never. i don't think they're going to i'm just saying it's like it could be interesting hell would freeze it would be interesting hell would freeze over i when you look at the attachment rate for the switch in the first party nintendo games and the nintendo games being what drives those sales of switches i think it would have nintendo would have to release two we use in a row after the switch for that to happen you know like I, I i think they would have to be in a dire situation for them to go fuck it let's go third party or let's release our games elsewhere because they've had so much success i think a possible thing would maybe be legacy titles on pc to some extent like maybe they're telling you man like there's a like, snes or snes games or n64 games and like they they go back to the to the furthest depths of their catalog to release them in that way for uh preservation or something but even that sounds like a big step for nintendo it's a huge step but i think that it's not completely out of the realm of possibility we need to remember that we all thought it would be impossible for nintendo to ever re-release their old games their roms uh for anything less than the five to twenty dollars that they have been on the eShop forever uh since the wii and on the nintendo switch online you get all of those nes games all those snes games for just your subscription cost. Mm-hmm. Never would have thought Nintendo would do that, but they did. So keep I mean, an that eye on Nintendo. Sense. That makes more sense. But yeah, you know, you know like your, your point stands that you never know how things will shift and change. And so I, I, I definitely feel you there. But I think hell would freeze over, Tim. But Tim, <laughs> hell freezing over is just so far away, hopefully. <laughs> if I want to come out to Minecraft <laughs> shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show host each and every weekday. Out today, we got Hood, Outlaws, and Legends for PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X slash S, Xbox One, and PC. I played a little bit of that uh, over the weekend. I didn't enjoy it that much, <laughs> but maybe you might. So go check that out if, you, if you're interested in Hood, Outlaws, and Legends. Tim, are you familiar with what, what that game is? No, but I saw a video of it. It looks dope as shit. It looks cool. It's a PvP VE game. And so you're mm-hmm. basically like performing a heist against another team that's also performing a heist. You're trying to get the treasure uh, and take it away. And so you're facing other players, but then you're also you're f- facing NPCs at the same time. Cool idea that I think it does a little bit too much. It was a little bit too much going on for a PvP game. There's too many steps involved. You got to like locate the key. You got to steal the key. You got to unlock the um, where the treasure is. You got to find the treasure. You got to take it to your thing. You got to winch it. You got to steal it. So it's a lot going on that wasn't working for me, but I might go back to it to try it out again because it might have just been like a bad play session, but we'll see for that one. I know Snowbike Mike's also playing in, so I'm sure he'll talk about it soon. Uh, and then we also got Battle Beast coming out, or it's out today for PC. Uh, a few new dates for you. Real Politics 2 is coming out of Early Access this Wednesday, May 12th, 2021. Uh, there's a Hitman 3 featured contract for Spawn on Me that's coming out May Ooh. 20th. Shout out to that. And then Scarlet Hollow Episode 2 is coming out to Steam June 11th. Of course, Tim, Kind mm-hmm. of Funny Games Daily. It's live. 
That means we might make mistakes about things we might say. That's why you, while watching live, can go over to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Write in, let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and on podcast services around the globe. And let's see here. We got a few from Nanobiologist. But Nanobiologist writes in with one and then he writes in again to say, actually, I was wrong. <laughs> he, he, you're wrong himself. Uh, and so I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, he also says this, Tim said a majority of PS5s made their way to the hands of gamers, but an estimated 7% of PS5s sold were bought by scalpers. That's, 500, that's 546,000 units. But I think Tim's point still stands, though, that even though scalpers get them, scalpers still sell them on to consumers. And on top of that, like I said, the majority, 7%. Last time I checked, definitely a minority. <laughs> but even then, yeah, <laughs> like they're in the hands of scalpers to then get in the hands of gamers at ridiculous prices. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just saying that there are, no matter what way you shake it, over six, maybe seven million PS5 units in people, in gamers' hands. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that. I, I think I, I think you made sense when you made the point. Like I was right there with you, Tim. This week's host for Kind of Funny Games Daily go like this: Tomorrow is Greg and Gary Witta. Wednesday is Greg and Janet Garcia. Thursday is Greg and Tim Motherfucking Gettys. And then Friday Ooh. it's me and Tim. That's right. We're back at it like a bad habit. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Mike and Nick playing what Kevin? Uncharted. They're but continuing that- their playthrough. We're going to be doing a live reaction to the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer. Whoa. Check that out. Let's check that out. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. You can read weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around carnage, for that. Carnage, Otherwise, carnage, until next carnage, time. Carnage, carnage. Until next time, let there be carnage. <laughs> <laughs>